catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The BHP Podcast is proudly presented by Dead Down Wind, Stealth Cam, Tinks, Skull Hooker, Grind Life Coffee. We also want to tell you guys to check out the new Fred Bear Field Notes Podcast, available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Learn about Fred Bear and his heritage. It's something you're not going to want to miss, and it's one of those things that really bring bow hunters together. Hello and welcome to the Bowhunter Planet Podcast. Tonight it's myself, Dave Thomas, along with Tim Mazzarana, Chris McGee, and Kevin Conlon. Hey there. And uh, guest star is Jared Lurk from uh, Drury Outdoors. Jared, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you all doing? Doing Doing good, good. doing good. We're just looking at Tim here. I don't. Is your mic working? You better turn that thing up, dude. I hear you tapping. I can hear you tapping. This you're you're an embarrassment, Tim. Straight embarrassment to the whole podcasting community. (laughs) All right, come on, say something. Let's just hear it. It's up all the yeah, way. You're good. You're good. You're to go. good. I don't know why you guys were like on. <laughs> I was just sitting here waiting for you to not talk so we could talk to Jared. Oh well, I <laughs> just wanted to hear your your amazing voice. I love maybe. you. <laughs> so, Jared, uh, what has been going on, Drew Outdoors, my friend? Well, you know we're in the thick of deer season, so I'd say the biggest ticket item going on is the DeerCast app. You all may or may not be familiar with it. The, the, the way I kind of summarize it is, so I'm Mark and Terry's nephew. And for the last 30 years, those two guys have sat in a tree or a box blind or something like that from the opening day of the season to the end of the day or to the end of the season and, and across multiple states. And they basically put all of that knowledge into the DeerCast app and created an algorithm as a deer movement predictor. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all beneficiaries of that. Think of all the things they've taught us over the years. So the big thing is DeerCast app, and then they did DeerCast 2.0 right before the season started, and they put in DeerCast track. So if you have a hit and you're wondering what it is, what it hit, what the lethality of it is, meaning is it immediately lethal two to three hours later or 15 hours later, there's a hit on there from the Drew Outdoors library that can, if you go into DeerCast track and figure it out, and, and maybe track your deer a little smarter, if you will. So mm-hmm. that's probably the big thing. And then, you know, the small thing is here in the Midwest, we're, we're at least in Iowa and Illinois and Missouri a little bit, we're battling EHD again. And it's kind of like a chronic problem. I just talked to Mark uh, three days ago and he goes, you remember in 2012 when we, they all died? And he said, you know, we said five to six years later or seven, maybe 2018, 2019, it's going to be awesome again. And here we are in 2019, and they, they friggin' died again. So mm-hmm. it gets a little frustrating. But other than that, uh, the, the team's having a pretty good season, to, or actually an excellent season, despite the die-off. You know, um, Steve France killed that mega 200-incher in Illinois with a bow 
crossbow a couple of weeks ago and uh greg glassinger's killed some friggin absolute slobs and everybody else has had some pretty good success despite the conditions uh so you know things are well at drew outdoors awesome excellent tell us a little bit about this ehd because i don't know if a lot of people know about that um because i don't think it's prevalent all throughout the country like cwd is like catching news lines ehd you don't hear much about anymore cwd i don't know where you stand on that but like and i know in michigan (laughs) it's probably a bigger bigger deal than it is missouri but cwd in my opinion allegedly so so i'm not yeah yeah (laughs) exactly like it's uh it's 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 uh, I, it, anyway, I struggle with the headlines of CWD that CWD is nothing, yep. not even a fraction compared to the devastation EHD can do on mm-hmm. a herd. Okay. So EHD, if you, if you remember in Africa a few years ago, there's this virus called Ebola mm-hmm. and it, and it's ridiculously fatal and it's a virus. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's, that's what EHD is for deer. It's Ebola, uh, for deer. EHD stands for epizootic hemorrhagic disease. It's a virus. We don't know why it is what it is. It's transferred by a little midge or a little gnat, mm-hmm. and it affects them sometimes in the July-August time frame. I personally think it, it it happens more in cattle country, which may be why you don't have a lot of it in Michigan. Okay. Okay. And we do in Iowa and Illinois and Missouri. And it lives in and around the cows. Cattle are immune to it, but deer that are in cattle country seem to be affected more than you know other parts of the country. And it, it's a virus. They get infected, and every year or every couple of years, there's either a more potent or a less potent form of the virus. This year, at least parts of there in Iowa, like there, there are parts in uh, Warren County in and around Des Moines where the game warden estimated it killed 95% of the deer herd. Wow. And wow. His, his exact quote was, I wouldn't have thought it's possible had I not seen it with my own eyes. He said it was just ridiculous. And it, so that form of the virus that hit there was very Super potent or vir- virulent. And so- again, it's a virus much like the flu or norovirus or coronavirus, and it's literally the only thing in it when it's a really potent virus that, that can affect these deer. And traditionally, it's harder on the older, more mature deer. And I think that's simply because they move less and are sitting ducks during the summer. And it, it varies at different times of the year, but when it hits in the summer, again, it's, it's just a simple virus transmitted by a nit or a midge, uh, a noceum fly, and it, it, it can be, like I said, devastating to a deer herd. I think we have it every year. And then it, you really have some bad outbreaks when you have a really, really wet spring. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it dries up and pond banks start to, and river banks. We have a lot of dirt in the Midwest where Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois, those river banks are dirt. And as the river recedes and the ponds evaporate and go down, it creates all this beautiful habitat for the midge to lay eggs and hatch in that muddy uh, water. And I think that's what makes an EHD outbreak more worse in certain years than others when you have a wet wet spring and then a super dry summer yeah so it's correlated to the to the carrier population basically correct yeah correct correct how many of the midges hatch and then carry the carry the disease or the virus i uh again it's ebola for whitetails i went to south dakota this year on my with my motorhome in october to do some uh mule deer hunting and i was amazed at how much standing water was in the mm-hmm. cornfields all throughout Iowa and South Dakota. I saw more ducks than deer. I mean, mm-hmm. they, yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah. You could you could hunt ducks just about anywhere. So it, I was on it was, I was on USA super wet which spring, is, a very yeah. dry summer, and then a super wet fall. Yeah, and yeah. and for whatever reason, those are pretty good conditions for a major EHD outbreak. Yeah. I don't I don't know that Illinois got hit that hard this year, but but 
a couple years ago, they got hammered in parts of Illinois. Yeah, we got hammered in 2012 in Iowa, and then in 2013, Illinois got hammered. And I feel like northern Missouri got hit pretty hard last year, and then again, not as hard, but hard this year, and then Iowa got hit pretty hard again. So would, would you imagine a contributor is also the uh, the temperature? Obviously, you guys have milder climate than we would here up in Michigan or even northern Illinois or anything like that. I'm sure that probably has an effect on it. Well, no, I, I wouldn't say – because it, it happens in the summer. So, you know, in Iowa, when it gets up to 90, 90 95 degrees, degrees and those ponds evaporate, that, that I think, affects it more than anything when we okay. have a pretty hot summer, which we – it wasn't super hot, but it was hot enough. I, I guess I was thinking more along the lines of your, your like, the carriers, like the gnats and stuff like that, don't necessarily die all the way out like they would, like you know, up here. Yeah. Um, Because there was an outbreak of EEE up in Michigan, and you know the news, and you can spin it however you want, but basically they're they're you know as, as soon as the first hard frost go, you know comes and kills out all the, all the mosquitoes, all the threats gone, and all that kind of stuff, they're not expecting a big outbreak next year. I was just wondering if there was any correlation that you that you might have thought. No, I like I don't know what can kill that gnat or midge, but nothing seems to. We had a pretty brutal winter, and we still yeah. had a very okay. significant outbreak. It seems it seems like you talked about that county lost ninety five percent of her. It seems it's going to take a lot longer than five years for that to come back. Uh, yeah. So in twenty twelve, when we got hit on our farms in Iowa, I think we lost sixty to seventy wow. percent. But when wow. you, I mean, when you, in his estimate it was ninety five percent. That's because he was just hoping five percent still live. But like he said, it was total devastation. Wow. And it, and it's not. It's not statewide. It's pockety. Pockets. And we don't know why, but it is, and it's pockety. So anyway, it's it's a major outbreak this year, and we're just battling it. So and you, nonetheless, you, the team's still having – I don't want it to be all doom and gloom. The team's still having a great year. Oh, the for only sure. benefit of an EHD outbreak, the only benefit is a couple, three years later, the bucks that lived reach full genetic Huge. potential because there's less deer in the herd, there's yeah. less social mm-hmm. stress, there's more food, and all those things. So, like, if you think about when Mark killed – Bucktober mm-hmm. and Danger and Greg Glesner's killed a couple 200-inch deer in Iowa in a row, and I killed Hightower and Klondike. All of that was post-EHD in 2012. Mm-hmm. Makes like sense, those huh? deer got as big as they'd ever gotten. So mm-hmm. that's the one benefit. The downfall is you got to wait four to five years for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, that's cool, man. So, so tell us about uh, like how's your season been going? You've been getting out a bunch. You've been able to. What, what's been going on this so, year? So yes and no. So I've evolved as a hunter and, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of hunting the rut in November. I love in Missouri. We can start in September. I love September through October. And then again, I love Thanksgiving through the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Just, just so first day, Henry and I went, uh, we, Henry went with me. He's not old enough just quite yet. We killed 166 inch 12 point Missouri. My first deer ever with a crossbow kind of cool yeah um so i haven't been out buck hunting much i've shot a couple does and then henry and i picked up a new trick this year since we were tagged out in missouri we're waiting for late in iowa uh we started duck hunting there you go we're doing ducks and bucks this year you're speaking chris's language language. he always disappears on us during waterfowl season during waterfowl season (laughs) dude i i just started duck hunting last year for the first time and went two times this year already and it's it is addictive like it's awesome (laughs) yes like it's more addictive than deer hunting yes like shooting a duck and seeing it fall out of the sky (laughs) and then and then cooking the duck breast appropriately later so delicious yeah and it's it's good food too we do a lot of duck jerky and stuff out where we are yep yeah, so so you mentioned uh, you shot your first one with the crossbow. What crossbow was it? Uh, the PSE uh, Thrive 365. Awesome, man. It 
it is it is that in the PSE Fang HD. The Fang mm-hmm. HD is the one Mark uses. He's got it dialed into a hundred yards, a hundred yards. <laughs> it costs three ninety nine retail, and it Jeez. shoots four hundred feet per second. That's that is so awesome. it's literally a hundred bucks per hundred feet per second. Like you cannot go wrong. And so... and he can. Wade shot a deer with that Fang HD down in Missouri at eighty four yards. Wow. That is awesome. I'm a I'm a I'm traditionally a, a bow hunter or a, a crossbow guy. I don't sure. usually do compound all that much. Um, every once in a while, I will, but I I just love my crossbows and uh, I love it. So I'm I'm glad to hear that uh, that you took your first one. Um, you know, was it was it just as exciting, more exciting to walk us through walk us through the hunt a little bit? More exciting because it's new. So yeah. I know there's a lot of controversy out there. A lot of traditional vertical bow guys think. You know, they poo-poo the crossbows, but here, here's my thought. I got my dad a crossbow, my father-in-law a crossbow at the age of 60 when they turned 60. Now they bow hunt. They never bow hunted a day in their life. So they got introduced to what we all love, which is getting closer to critters because of the, the PSE crossbow and how easy they, they are to use and how accurate they are. That's okay. Awesome. Then, then my son Henry is nine, and he sees his 42-year-old dad shooting a crossbow. Well, he's going to want to do it too. Right. Yep. And it'd be exactly. a great way to introduce him to the sport. And, and the final thing is, I'm 42. I, I, I'm trying to cure lung cancer for a living and I have four kids under the age of 10. My time to shoot a vertical bow is much, much more limited than it mm-hmm. used to be 10 years ago or even yep. five years ago. With a crossbow, you don't have to practice as much and you're still accurate. And I think if mm-hmm. you're trying to kill a deer and be as humane as possible and kill them as effectively as possible. You want the best weapon in your hand that you can have at the time. Bingo. And for me right now, it's a crossbow. We, we are all nodding our head we're over here nodding. because I, you just literally bullet pointed everything that I ever said about why I shoot crossbow. And yeah, it's true. It, I mean, it, you got the family aspect of it. You can shoot it. You can have your, your wife, once your it's kids. Yeah. Your wife, the same, your kids, the same crossbow. Henry and I can shoot and my wife and my daughters and exactly. we can practice and it's, it's just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but it's, it's the ethical side of it too. Mm-hmm. It's that when Dude, you don't have yes. time to, to, to practice I, and put 30 I, arrows through a bow every day, you know, right. it, Correct. it makes I it. Shot, yeah. And then you're more fair to the game that way. Cause yeah, that exactly. deer was at 45 yards. I would not have pulled the trigger with my vertical bow at 45 yards. With that crossbow, I got dialed into 70. Yep. I had no problem shooting him at 45 yards and hit right where I was aiming. Yep. I mean, it was mm-hmm. awesome. Yep, it is. I, I love it. Next man. year I, when I go to Illinois, that's what I'm taking. Appreciate those comments. So, <laughs> that, uh, My buddy in Illinois, when they legalized him two years ago, he owns a bow shop. And he said when they legalized him August 1st through when the season opened October 1st, Hot they cakes. sold more crossbows. <laughs> in those two months than they sold in their entire 20 year history combined. Every guy that I went with, we went on a trip, uh, in, was it Harthage, Illinois on the West side? And every guy we hunted with, hunted with a crossbow, except yep. one, guy, one guy I went with and they all Steve, shot deer. <laughs> Steve France just killed that big deer with a crossbow. That thing awesome. was a monster. You're, you're just, you're more, again, you're more accurate. And, and like I said, vertical traditionalist poo poo them. But it's like, don't knock it till you try it. Like you're exactly. just, you're just more effective. You well, don't, especially you like wind, anything. Convince. You think like, you know, yep. vertical bow wind. I'm not shooting anything past thirty yards. Yeah, in and my it's opinion. it's the same Crossbow, hunt. It's like, I'm doing. You know it. what I mean? Like it's the same Correct. hunt. You have all the same challenges that you have. Yes. Yeah, you still got to be Correct. quiet. You still got to do scent control. Yeah, shower before you go out. Dress yep. when you get out right. to the stand. It's it's not a gun. You can't shoot them at two hundred yards. Probably right. yep. eighty is the limit, if you will. Eighty four Wade shot yep. one. Right. That's probably the limit. So you you increase the distance a little bit with a vertical bow, but like it's still bow hunting. Bow yep. hunting, bow hunting. We all got to stick it, together. Man. Yeah, it was kind of <laughs> yeah. interesting too. I like I it, talking to talking to people over the years. It, it is it is still. Uh, it, it, it bog, I don't know, boggle my mind's the right word, but it, but it's still very interesting to me the different laws that all these different states still have. Mm-hmm. 
about crossbow. I mean, they, they have declining hunter populations, all this different stuff. And, you know, people aren't getting into the sport. And, and to me, I don't know why you wouldn't look to something like a crossbow to bring back or, or start introducing hunters that couldn't have done it before because they don't have the time, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, I, I mean, I kudos to you, man. That's awesome. Thank you. As I say, I hear all you guys nodding your heads or you said it. We are in violent agreement on this one. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll capstone it with this. The best deer hunters in the universe, Mark and Terry Drury, like without question, they adopted crossbows in Missouri and Illinois so quick it'll make your head spin yeah. because they, <laughs> they see why. You know, like Precision. you're more effective. You have a little different range. You still got to do all the stuff you got to do as a mm-hmm. bow hunter, but it's more fair to the game exactly. when you're a little older and can't shoot, like you said, 30, 30 arrows through the bow. Every day. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you still have the challenge too, of like, even like that 84 yard shot or whatever, you've got to have a, you've got to figure out your yardage. It's not like Correct. putting a gun scope Correct. on it. You gotta, Correct. you gotta figure out your yardage. You gotta make sure the wind is right. You so got the same, you got the same buck fever hitting you, shaking your hand. Correct. Yep. You know, yep. it's, it's, All that. it's the same so, thing. So. Anyway, I love um, crossbows, PSEs. Like, I don't know how much the upper end crossbows cost, but you'd be silly not to look seriously at a Fang HD for four hundred bucks, no three ninety nine, yeah. and four hundred. Yeah, I mean you're you're talking some of those higher as end accurate, ones. They're as accurate as anything I've ever seen. Like uh, with my, I have a Fang LT. I can touch arrows at sixty yards. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, we. I mean, some of the some of the crossbows nowadays, you're looking at upwards of over two grand. Yeah, you know, for some of the higher end ones, name, and name. Uh, that, that's it. And it's great. I mean, some of the technology on the thing. I'm not, you know, some of the technology out there is great, but you don't need to spend twenty five hundred dollars. No. If you nope. want to go out there, have a simple, you know, not simple. That's the wrong way to put it. But if you want to go out there and tool. just hunt effective, effective yeah, tool, great way to put right, it. Take it yep. out and shoot consistently yep. and yep. ethically. Since 1971, Burris has been the leader in optics innovation, and that continues today with products like the new Oracle Rangefinding Bowsight. Burris offers the best value on the market today. Their optics are durable, reliable, and affordable. Everything they offer from red dots and rifle scopes to their binos and bowsights are backed by their forever warranty. Burris, find what matters. 4K and the XV4's advanced high-resolution night imaging to the latest in wireless technologies. Stealth Cam continues to deliver the highest quality, most reliable trail cameras available. Your images begin at StealthCam.com. It's coffee break time. If you're looking for premium coffee for those who grind every day, if life is an adventure and not just a routine, Grind Life is for you. You could be an adventurer, military person, first responder, outdoorsman, factory worker, or just red-blooded patriotic American. Grind Life is here to help you achieve success in everything you do. Visit GrindLifeCoffee.com and tell them BHP Podcast sent you. And enjoy a fresh brew just like us yo kevin give me a warm-up yeah so, let, so let's um let me go real quick yeah you, go ahead. You ne- i never answer your question so i love early season and here's the secret i don't know if you guys can use it in michigan but radishes early season uh particularly daikon deer radishes from biologic they are the friggin' cats meow on big white tails i'm not kidding you. i learned that trick about, about four years ago with justin and i have not not killed an early season whitetail since then in September in Missouri, 
on radishes. No they don't, kidding. They don't last through a frost very much. But early season before frost, daikon radishes, I don't know why, but they're pretty friggin' devastating on big whitetails. So is that is that um is that food plot that you're growing it in or are you throwing it out? Yeah, yeah, food plot. Okay. Nope, food yep, plot. Yep, yep. That's that's what I figured in. And, and that I is carved, that is something I, we can I do. I rented here. a dozer, carved it into the timber, any and it's for any west wind, and I have a, a elevated ground blind, a muddy ground blind on a platform that my dad and I built. Cool. So any west wind, which northwest, west or southwest are normally the good winds anyway, in and around a front. And I have like what I say is Think of you sitting on the 50-yard line of a football field, 50 yards to my left, 50 yards straight in front of me, and 50 yards to my right, which because this is a west wind spot, those are all west of me. So any wind and all the bedding is west of me. They, they literally almost cannot get downwind of me because there's a big lake behind me. Yeah. And all the bedding is west of me or upwind of me. And what I do with the radishes is I put them uh, 40 or excuse me, 25 to 30 yards to my left. Mm-hmm front and to my right and then i wrap that outside of it to, to make it to 50 or even 60 yards um i put sugar beets and winter bulbs because nice. sugar beets and winter bulbs are really really good after three or four frost in and around the thanksgiving through january 10th time frame so you can literally hunt that same food plot early on radishes and then late on the sugar beets nice. and winter bulbs and if you got cool. a good crossbow and you don't plant it past 60 yards as soon as the deer's in your field he's in bow range that's, cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> when, when do you have to plant those radishes? Um, I normally plant okay. them the fifth through the tenth of August. You want to you want to catch that first August rain. the mm. The other issue is you got to check the soil pH, get the pH right, and you got to fertilize them. Radishes require a good bit of nitrogen. Okay. Like okay. Like, like well, I mean, good bit. I'm talking like 100 to 150 pounds per acre. And, and yeah, do okay. you do you plant the sugar beets in that at the same the time? Component. So go to your uh, farm and home store and get the 3328 or 3000, just some some high nitrogen compound and pour the nitrogen to them. The year before you plant them, you want to put some lime on there to make sure the pH is pretty close to neutral. Cool. That is awesome, man. So great, great, great tips. I absolutely love it. Um, switching it back a little bit over to PSE, uh, PSE has had a couple new uh, couple new compounds come out, right? Um, yep. Yep. What You want to walk us through some of the, the new stuff that you've seen? Um, so I, yes and no. So I haven't actually shot any of them yet, but here's what I know about. We PSE. have. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good for you. I've toured, the, I've toured the factory. I know Pete personally. And the thing he prides himself on is engineering the best piece of equipment he yeah. can. And I have no doubt this 2020 line exceeds what he'd done in 2019, which exceeded what he did in 2018. They're always, what I say is, uh, innovating at the highest level. And I don't think the 2020 line is any different than 2019. And it's, it's, it's an improvement over what gets improved every single year. And, uh, the new bows I think are going to be tremendous. And they are. Yeah. We, we actually, Mm -hmm. we, we did, we did get to shoot them, uh, last week. We did uh, videos on them. Um, and we are, you know, they're, they're out on our, on our webpage to take a look at. We do the speed test and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I, we were really impressed with them. Um, actually one of our, one of our in-house shooters, uh, shoots uh, competition with the PSE and he was, he was pretty impressed with it. I know Dave had some uh, good experiences with them too. So I thought, I thought Ooh, I shot, cause I I'm shot. getting ready to order my new one. Which one did he like best? NXT 33. So which one? NXT 33. Okay. That was great. I made a mental note. Pretty smooth. Pretty smooth operator. But you know what? That cam system they've been doing lately has just been dynamite. Yep. Um, it, it's just yes. so smooth. I mean, the thing about PSC that I, I find interesting 
Uh, some people know, some don't. And when, when it comes to the high-end PSEs, um, over the years, uh, they've actually grown that cam system into like really one of the most smoothest cams in the market today. But it's taken them a few years. It started with an Omen, and the Omen was very aggressive yeah, though. It but was. It had a lot of power. It had a lot of power. And then they, then they, yeah. they realized like, okay, look, we got to get power, but we also got to get some sort of relaxation for the user. And then eventually they so, they slowly you know evolved to this cam. So. Which is the cam? So <laughs> evolve cam. <laughs> that was a good wording. That was, I made that work out well. Good job, Dave. Thank you. Good wordplay. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so clap. So yeah, no, so awesome. So we yeah. So what is coming up for the rest of the year here? You're going back out, so you're taking you know you take gun season off. You said, and then you go out kind of Thanksgiving towards the end of the year. How do you treat the end of the year different than you treat the beginning of the year when it comes to getting your your target buck? It, it's similar. So Reconyx camera pictures, see where one's at, and then the food source evolves. So early season, again, you can't own radishes. Late season, beans, sugar beets, and winter bulbs are turnips. Um, and that, and you got to plan all that in advance, you know, in the August time frame. And then over the years, you just figure out where better late season spots are versus early season. Oftentimes, they're the same spot. Um, so you got you to basically plant for that uh, evolution, if you will. And set your early season spot up in in the same spot if you can, and then move the blind either north or south depending on the wind directions, and transition over to standing beans or sugar beets and winter bulbs. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about real quick the the actual process of late season hunting because mm-hmm. I know you know it, it's one thing to say like move a blind here, do this, do that, but let's be realistic. It's going to be cold, and in that cold, the question I have for you is how do you handle that cold? Are you are you a person that stays super warm just naturally, or do you get you know if it's snowing out there and it's literally fifteen degrees, are you still hunting number one a with a compound or b with a crossbow? Which I heard you guys talking about. When I was up out of here for a minute. Or um, the other question is, do you use a heater in there, or do you use just hot, you know heat pads, or what is it? How do you, how do you do your process? See, Dave's all about comfort, so he yes, just wants I to know, know if he's he, if so, he's a lone wolf. So playing well, I want to know if the big dogs leader. are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying. Do you to take your out. switch out in the blind? You didn't ask that question. <laughs> so let him finish. So uh, I'm again 42. I have, I have four kids in the age of 10. I don't get in a tree often anymore. I love ground blinds that I, that I put on elevated platforms that I built in the platform. The base height is normally my eye level. So about uh, a little under six foot and that's what I hunt out of. Okay. A ground blind. So all the deer need to be upwind of you. And then I'm a huge fan of the little buddy heaters Mm -hmm. with propane tanks. And that will keep you in a ground blind, no matter how bad the conditions are. Uh, Well, uh, let me take that back. If it's, if it's 20 below and snowing to beat the band, I'll take that night off. But the next night when the storm front's gone and it's 30 below and a high pressure system and sunny, that ground blind and a buddy heater, maybe two buddy heaters is all you need. Like, uh, and you check that see. on the DeerCast app, don't you? Do what? You check you check that weather on the DeerCast oh, app, don't the, you? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, yes, <laughs> or, or weather.com. But, y- yes, the DeerCast <laughs> app will tell you. Uh, so, like, two years ago, Justin and I were shooting, shooting does with Henry. It was 35 below. We had two buddy heaters going. We shot two bows with our muzzle loaders. We had Henry with us. So, I mean, unbearable conditions. We had Henry with us. The does didn't go very far. We had a propel in the ground blind with us. We turned them off, the, the heaters, went to get the does. Justin went to get the truck. Henry and I went to get the does. We pulled them into the back of the truck. And so maybe 15 to 20 minute time frame. Frozen. By the time we got back to our ground blind, the propel bottles had frozen solid. Holy wow. cow. 
And so my point of all that is a buddy heater kept us warm all night and it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, it was, you know, we have enough clothes on, but it was tolerable enough that my, at the time, six year old, like I didn't feel he was unsafe. Yep. And we had the truck close and it was just doe hunting. So it wasn't a major buck deal, you know, yep. um, does are at times a little bit easier cause they're more plentiful. Uh, but anyway, we did it with Henry and, and we had a great time. Yeah, I, I spoil myself. I have, I have the big buddy heater and, uh, I have a, uh, 20 pound, you know, propane tank that I take with a, you <laughs> with know, with a 10 foot hose and I just, I can crank that thing as high. If last I, the whole weekend. I, it'll last, it'll last yeah, more than a whole weekend. It should. So, like you, yeah. you should be comfortable and you should enjoy it. Like yeah, absolutely. I'll yeah. never forget in 99, Mark and I hunted in Iowa in those same conditions in a tree. And you know, we were 20 years younger. Uh, he was in his thirties. I was in my early twenties and we got done that night and Mark, I remember him and he goes, we got to find a different way to do this. Yeah. And he's like, I want to be out here. Cause we saw a hundred deer on a, you know, a six acre food plot. Like it was ridiculous. First time we'd really hunted Iowa and saw all those deer. But since that time, that's when they got involved with the muddy box blinds and ground blinds and heaters and just make sure the wind is in your face and the deer upwind and it's no big deal. That's then awesome. the other thing to consider people are like, well, aren't they going to smell the propane? Well, who cares? At that point, the they're propane, dead. At that point, they're that dead. Pro- <laughs> well, no, I think of it this way. The propane is not a predator. You are. Yeah. Yes, they'll smell the propane, but like a white tail is smart enough to differentiate between propane is not a threat to them. A human odor is. And trust me, they can tell the difference. It's yeah. kind of like if you see a deer in the summer and you don't have a weapon with you, uh, they're not that worried about you. But yeah. if you have a weapon, you smell different to them. You smell like a predator. And a white tail can survive. Literally, they survive in the northern part of Canada all the way down to Mexico, California to New York. Like there's no other animal that covers the territory and terrain that a whitetail does in the different conditions of the same species, like they're survivors, right? And they can tell the difference when you're a predator and when you're not. I think it's interesting when, you know, when you like, when, you, when you're in a local community and you go to like, say you guys travel to whatever, you know, uh, some middle little town in Michigan and you guys are hunting, and uh, you come back, you go to the local restaurant, and there's people there, and you know they're all locals, and they're wearing camo, and they're smoking, and they're they're joking. No, seriously, this is serious. <laughs> no, you can't then that. they go back out and hunt, and you know after they smoke and all that stuff, and they still shoot deer. I think it's very interesting. Now it's not always a big buck. Obviously, bucks are very smart, but they do get does, they do get deer, you know, or smaller bucks, which are kind of stupid now. I think about it, so I guess it answers my own question. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you, I mean, there's no way you haven't encountered that. Everybody's encountered that. Yeah, in the hunting. yeah, yeah. I, we, I grew up hunting that way. I mean, I didn't smoke, but the people around me did. Yeah, uh, so you didn't so, think yeah, much of it. It's just the way it is. But again, they can differentiate. Their nose is that good. They can differentiate predator versus not. Yep. And all the other different smells. And I'll tell you when I, I learned that, not from a whitetail, but I saw a bloodhound tracking a deer. And it was amazing to me to watch that bloodhound work all the scent out. And when it lost the blood trail, the bloodhound circled back around for mm-hmm. the last blood and then got on its hind legs and smelled where the deer had run through. So I was like, wow, wow these, these bloodhounds' noses are so good. They're differentiating the deer I shot versus all these other ones that have walked through here. Mm-hmm. And then we ultimately found the deer. But I, that's when I realized how good a whitetail's nose was because it can't be that indifferent from a bloodhound. Well, a little, the, the way they have to survive. A little bit of an inside joke over here, but Jamie's no bloodhound, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's more like Bigfoot walking through the woods looking for the deer. Where I think it? I see it over here. Where's the body? Oh, no, it's not over here. I think I see it over oh, here. Here's a log. Here it is. <laughs> we, we shot a deer. We had a deer shot, and Jamie oh. Decides oh, to skip the blood trail and just look for bodies the whole time. <laughs> Wasting his time walking across a highway. 
We're like, dude, not, you do realize the backtrack, a high, right? Not a high percentage decision, I wouldn't guess. No, no, no. It was, a, it was good. We found enough to know that it was still alive. Yeah, we found evidence to yeah. at least know what direction okay. to walk in. Oh, I'll tell you. Always a critic. Oh, Always, man. in every crowd. Always. <laughs> normally, it's your, normally, it's your good friends are the, are the best yeah, crowd. Yeah, in this, in this case, I just consider him an acquaintance, but, you know. <laughs> That's fine, too. <laughs> Just kidding, Jamie. Love you. So, Jerry, what, what, what do you guys got going on after the New Year? So, I know that starts the kind of the um, the um, show season. So, what's your plans? I'm assuming ATA. I'll probably go to ATA, yes, sir. And then, you know, Matt and Taylor, Mark and uh, Terry will go to Shot Show, and then probably NWTF. I will not go to those other two, but I'll probably be at ATA. Do you guys, I love that show. Do you guys have a um, booth at ATA, or do you go hang out at PSC, or how's that work? I hang out honestly at ATA. I hang out a lot with Mark. Terry, Matt, and Taylor because they have a lot of vendor meetings. So, you know, oh, okay. they'll meet with Mossy Oak or PSE or Reconyx or Tacticam or Rage or something like that. And I take a lot of pictures and videos to then post on social media. Cool. Because cool. they're busy having yeah. meetings. And then so I'm kind of the photographer and then learning about the meetings as well. And then awesome. love meeting all the people and hearing the stories. And, yeah, you know, two years cool ago part. at ATA, what was really striking to me was I was walking with Taylor and I want to say eight out of ten people that recognized us recognized us because of her and not me. You <laughs> think? <laughs> Don't worry, we recognize you first. Don't worry. Uh, well, anyway, most of the younger fans knew who she was and had no clue who I was. <laughs> too funny. Oh, that's too funny. Right. It might have been nine out of ten people. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people knew who Taylor was, and you know what? Good for her because she's a female. She's doing it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, she's always in camouflage. Always very professional. She loves it as much as her, maybe not as much as her dad, but as much as a female can if your dad's Mark Dury, and she's yeah, a great steward uh, for all of us to get more females involved. Because as you guys yep. as mentioned earlier, numbers are declining, popularity of the sport's decreasing, and we, if you're a hunter and love it, and you're a dyed-in-the-wool whitetail guy or girl, you got to do what you can to get more hunters Absolutely. in the sport. Absolutely, man. Amen to that. Jerry Lurk, Drury Outdoors, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Uh, go to Drury Outdoors online, check out what they do, and you can see Jared in tons of videos and productions and amazing, amazing animals you guys have taken. So, The, the thing I'll tell people if they haven't yet, go to YouTube, type in my name, just Jared Lurk, and check out the hunt for both Hightower and Klondike. I'm pretty pretty proud mm-hmm. of those. Awesome. Ooh, that sounds mm-hmm. fun. I'm going to have to cool. watch those again. Cool. All anyway, right, man. thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Good thanks luck again. to everybody. We'll see you. Have a good one. Nice talking to you, Jared. Have a good Thanksgiving. Take care. We'll do it again soon. Yep. Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.